We forget that this is not like, you know, a human getting better over their lifetime. This is AI doing a quantum leap every hour. But they're happy accidents happening really quick, though. And it's, it's, it changes your thought process a lot. Hi, and welcome to the Common Creative Podcast. I'm Paul Fairweather. And I'm Chris Meredith. And we're on a mission to lift the veil on creativity at work and beyond um, and to understand how to sh- what the tools are of creativity and how to share them with the world. And Chris, we do have an amazing guest. It's Marcus Byrne. Marcus is the father of Charlie Marker, who was a guest earlier last year, uh, illustrator at the age of eight. And Marcus is the design director at Tinkerbell, and he has done some work using mid-journey AI image generation and published an article on Mumbrella about it. And it's absolutely fascinating uh, discussion. Chris? Yeah, this is the first in our series on artificial intelligence and its impact on creativity. I think we're all terrified that we will no longer have a role as human beings anymore because computers will be able to do everything for us. And so this, this show starts to explore that question. Is AI a good thing? If so, how do you use it? And does it need controlling? Let's get Marcus in. Yes, let us get him on board. Marcus Byrne, welcome to the Common Creative Podcast. Thanks for having me. Marcus, it's great to see you again. We've obviously interviewed Charlie Marker, your son, and now you yourself have made you to the dizzy heights of being on the Common Creative. I'm going to be calling you Marcus Marker, um, <laughs> if Charlie's your son. So, Marcus, can you give us a, a quick potted history about, about you, um, your journey to where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Dublin. I went to college, went to art college, was always interested in, um, in graphics, art, music, things like that. Uh, so I grew I was I'm the eldest of five, a bit of a background. If you want to go further back than that, my, my dad was a publican, um, grew up surrounded by music um, and, and art was, was, was a big part of that too. And then um, you went to art college, let, went, went into design agencies, advertising agencies, um, worked in various countries and eventually came to Australia. So, um, so yeah, so I've been working when that is Tinkerbell of late um, and we work across all sorts of different clients. So, Marcus, I think one of the prompts for us chatting to you today um, is you wrote a fascinating article in Mumbrella about the topic, which is the theme for our, our next series of shows on the Common Creative, about artificial intelligence and it's a it's a topic which is going nuts online everyone's talking about artificial intelligence so, so before you get into kind of the main thrust of that article just could you do you mind explain what how would you describe what artificial intelligence is yeah i suppose um we, we've all been hearing about artificial intelligence for a long time you know like self-driving cars and predictive texts and predicting various things that kind of we don't even notice that's happening in our daily lives is probably just stuff happening in the background. But, but those who are curious or those who kind of question more, kind of dive deeper into kind of what does this really mean? Um, and so, so I suppose what it is, it's, it's a data set that's been fed loads and loads of information. And now it's at a point where it can kind of make decisions pretty close to what a human can, which is obviously it's terrifying and it's frightening and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, if it's if it's for good, obviously it's good. If it makes good decisions, if it's a medical situation, obviously I can help people. Um, or if it's for bad decisions, it can be bad. So there's all that kind of you know. I think I think Elon Musk mentioned years ago 
you know, with self-driving cars, if wh- whoever decides what the, it's always like, what, what decision does it make? If it's about to go out of control, does it crash into the old man at the bus stop or the school with kids in it? And it's almost like, you know, an ethical and moral um, conversation around who decides what that car does, because that's obviously, so, so, so that's obviously what it is. It's a data set that makes decisions. Um, and then when it comes to when, when I came across it, when it kind of affected me more was when it, when it kind of came into the music and the art world, because I don't think, I don't think anybody expected it. I don't think anybody expected it so soon. And I don't think anybody expected how good it could be or the images it's generating. You know, so it's kind of frightening in a lot of sense. Um, like I say, so just, just on that thing about the self-driving cars, uh, something that I've been made aware of recently, um, which is a dilemma that they haven't solved, that basically it's going to be a nightmare in cities because p- pedestrians will just step out in front of cars because the cars have to stop. And so um, it's going to change the way within CBDs it all works because people, be able to, if they're all self-driving cars, then people can just step out in front of a car because the car's got to stop. So, so That's true. It, you know, it, it, and it's something, well, how do you fix that? You know, like you say, well, there's a certain sort of sensitivity. It's a great question. And I think it's finally something useful AI might do for us. We can walk around the streets as we <laughs> feel like and the car's like, get out of your way. I like the side of that. <laughs> Marcus, you asked, um, I think it was Dali, which is a, an AI machine that converts words into pictures. And you asked it to create some household items as though designed by Gaudi. That was what you did, and it kind of went back. Tell us more about it. Yeah, so um, it was actually mid-journey I used for that, but um, I did jump into D- Dali originally, which is the open AI platform. Um, when I started seeing and reading about Dali, I went onto the beta list uh, early last year and then had a password, could go in, have a play around with it, whatever. Um, it was it was great, um, and it wasn't like it is now because it's, it's iterating really fast now. But, but it was enough to give me a sense of what it could possibly do. And I actually got really weirded out by the whole experience, to be honest. Um, I had to stop generating images. I was putting in just crazy stuff, you know, guitar player sitting on a roller coaster with the sunset in the background. And I was thinking, what's this going to do? And, and it would generate literally guitarists on a roller coaster. And I was like, this, this is mind-blowing. And I was kind of re- like, is it generating an image? Is it an image or exists? Is it doing a quick Photoshop job? Like all these questions... Um, come to mind like how is it actually doing it and what it's doing is it's actually taking billions and billions of images from that's been, that has been fed and then it then it, it matches it to words that because obviously humans on the internet would have keywords associated to that particular thing and then it puts it together pixel by pixel really really fast and generates the image almost like almost like little, like you just see little pixels kind of fluttering on screen and then it's kind of out of focus and then eventually it just kind of reveals itself Um. So yeah, I think there's a couple of weeks I had to just have a think about it. What's the implications for artists? What's the implications for every single industry that that we all love so much and, and care about? Um, and then a friend of mine said, have you tried Midjourney? And I did see some stuff online about it. It was very, it was a lot of kind of fantasy kind of stuff that I was seeing. And, and, I, and I looked very, I know it didn't really do anything for me really. Um, but when I created an account and I started playing with it, then I realized the power of what, how you articulate a sentence and the order of the words within the sentence and how that can happen. So I generally give myself personal projects every, every couple of years, I'll think of an idea and I'll try articulate it through Photoshop. And I had this idea for, um, first one I had was, was using 
was it was architecture. So I went in this architecture route of three D um, graffiti tags. How would that inform buildings in the future? So that was one project I did, and I was thinking about that again before I had, had access to AI. It was something I was going to do ages ago, and I was really impressed with how that worked. And then I just thought, you know, when you when you look around the house and you just see boring, all appliances look the same. And I suppose the thought process here is, you know, working in working in, in design. Everything is stripped back to the point that nearly all logos, all cars, everything kind of looks the same, right? Because it all has to kind of fit within an ecosystem, especially for the digital small space. And I kind of thought I'd flip it on its head and think, well, what what would the boring house items look like if if, if Gaudi designed them? And I, I've, I've had a fascination with Gaudi. I used to go to Barcelona when I was living in Ireland for a week just to take photos and walk around and stay at a hostel or whatever. So I'd always kind of, you know, been fascinated by his his organic um, his organic work. So when when I put the prompts in and adjusted them to a point where I got a sentence that worked, it just yeah, it just blew my mind how how it could take something so simple and really iterate in real time household appliances like a microwave and a toaster and a kettle and a, and and you get four images to choose from and then you can pick one to reiterate that one or else you can upsize one. So I kind of iterate or I try different prompts. Till I got a set of stuff that I thought, well, this is crazy. And I was just showing people, like, this is just mad. Like, because you, you, you think they exist. When you look at them, you think they must exist. But the pictures themselves look like beautiful photographs of these gorgeous household items. You can tell that they're household items. But clearly the, the joy, the colors, the shapes of Gaudi are infused into those everyday items. So, so it, I, I agree with you. It's kind of remarkable. And this is created by your prompts and uh, mid-journey AI. So, uh, Marcus, I, I think it, there's obviously uh, a sort of a point here which I, I want to discuss and tease out a bit about. It depends partly on, you know, who's driving the machine because, you know, you're, you've been playing with it and you're getting better at it. If I tried to do it, I wouldn't come up with the same thing and probably won't, wouldn't look as good. But the question I had is, and whether you can remember what was in your mind's eye when you had this idea of, Gaudi-inspired inspired home appliances, did you, you know, is what you ended up with sort of what you thought, or is it better, or is it different? Or, you know, if you were going to do it, you know, like as a designer, how would have you approached that? You know, would, would have you ended up with something similar, the way that you've driven the machine, or is it taking it away from where you would have taken it? Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because there's, well, there's two different processes. If, there was, if, if AI didn't exist, how would I do that? So what I would do is I would take photographs that I've got or stock if I didn't have the ones I if I didn't have those particular shots, stuff I wanted. So resourceful, just go look, see what I have. And then I would see how I would redesign a coffee machine using that aesthetic. So what 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 do I use bits of Park Well? Do I use Redrera? Do I use bits of the Sagrada Familia? Like what what kind of points the Sagrada Familia is quite tall, so maybe that would work well on a coffee machine. You know, just start thinking about the aesthetics of, of how, how that architecture would play into a in an inanimate object, that's that's quite boring. So that would be the approach using Photoshop. I'd kind of I'd play around, and it would probably take just to get to certain points. It, it, would, it would probably take a week to get two of them looking into a point where you actually think it's good. And um, the thing is, I love that process. Right? I enjoy the process of iteration to get to a point. Like I, I, I prefer the journey than the actual destination. Um, and you prefer the mid journey. Uh, well, that's what this, and that's why this—that's that's what's strange about it. Because I've always said that to myself. It's like, you know, you go to India, 
and you, you've got to, got to go to see something, but it's all the things that happen on the way to get to that point that actually makes yeah. the day interesting, right? With, with mid-journey, because you're putting the prompt in, you're getting fast results. Like you get four images within like 10, 15 seconds or whatever, 30 seconds. Um, and then you might change it because it's not what you had in your mind's eye, right? But you do see stuff that you go, oh, that's interesting because it gives you, it's almost like, is it, is it a, ha- it's a happy accident? Because happy accidents, obviously in art are brilliant too and music, it's what mm. makes everything great. But they're happy accidents happening really quick, though. So is it a ha- like? Do you know what I mean? It's, it, it changes your thought process a lot because then you might try a few other ones. Diff- try different angles: low angle, backlit, you know, um, photography style with a psych. You try all this kind of stuff, and then you try different uh, parameters like different um, ratios. So if you do a one-to-one ratio, you get a totally different image than a landscape image. Because obviously landscape has different parameters and photography styles because you've got your foreground, background, rule of thirds. So it's all those things are playing into this whole creation of what you're trying to do. So then you get to a point where you go, right, these are the kind of base prompts that work. And then you kind of put the flourishes on top. And to be honest with you, with these ones, it was pretty much just using the word Gaudi that pretty much just did so much work for you, which then you kind of question about, you know, it's been trained on obviously millions of Gaudi images and it knows that aesthetic really well. You put in a new artist or something like that, you know, which 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 are raising a lot of ethical concerns, really. At the at the end of the day, it's it's, it's a whole minefield and grey area that we need to kind of tap into and resolve. I think over time, but but as far as the creation process goes, yeah, it's what do you put forward as your as your favorite nine images when you might have iterated a hundred? So again, it comes down to well, I'm happy with these these. This is answering what it is in my head, and I'm happy with that. Where someone else might go, oh no, I prefer these other two, and that's when someone likes another logo over a different logo. It's a you know what I mean? So nothing's right or nothing's wrong. It's just what you feel is right for that time. Although um, what, what, one of the implications of that is over time, if, if the machine starts to know you, because it will, because you've got an account now and it knows which what you're saying yes to, it'll start to get better at predicting what you'll like, I'm guessing. Well, that's exactly right. That is, that is what's happening. Um, so, so, you know, I think but whatever the users are, 5 to 10 million or something or whatever it is, it's probably 20 million now next week because that's how fast it's growing. And yeah. if you think about the amount of prompts that have been put in there every single day and, and it's and it's analyzing that data and then people are picking their favorite one, well, then that's obviously training it more and more, yeah, to, to, to spit out better versions. And, and this is really weird because, you know, Nick Cave mentioned that AI is will always be in its infancy. And I thought that was such a powerful quote because we forget that this is not like, you know, a human getting better over their lifetime. This is AI doing a quantum leap, leap every hour. You know what I mean? So it's always going to be in its infancy until you've got terabytes of data and then you got, you know, whatever the next thing, whatever's next. Um, so it's a scary kind of world to play in, but it's also exciting if you're really curious in nature and you want to get a visual for something that you have in your mind's eye or, you know, what, 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 what does it do for people with disabilities, you know? Like the accessibility is unbelievable. People have amazing ideas and yet they can't articulate them. Now they can. So there's obviously pros and cons for everything. And this is the kind of moral dilemma we're all going through at the moment. Like what's been used for good or used for bad? Or is it, you know, the ethics and morals still lie behind it, the data set. So it's a, it's a, it's a really mad time in history right now. And, and it ladders up to that, that it's a rather depressing question, which is that you know, maybe we ourselves are machines. We are not creative. We're machines. And, the machine we're talking about, be it called Midjourney or or Delhi or whatever, is is just mirroring what we 
already are. So it's a rather depressing idea that a machine will get better at being us than we are, and therefore proving that all we are is biological operators rather than creatives and so on and so on. Um, do, do you think there's any truth in that? Maybe we're just machines. Maybe. Well, um, the guy who, who started to stable diffusion, so that's that's um, Stability AI. They're based out of the UK. Their stuff blew up as well. That's another one. So there's three, right? Well, there's probably like 10. I don't know. I only know, I know, I only know three of them, but um, and I've only really played in two. But um, his name is um, Imad, I think Imad. Mustak, I think his name is. He he was asked a question in a recent interview. Do you think we're already living in a simulation? And he said, "Yeah, probably." And and that was just so like, what the hell? Like what? Like what does that even mean, right? Uh, like so so like, what you're saying is, are we part of a machine? Are we part of a thing that's already been done before, and now we're actually not even here at all? Like it, it raises all these questions about consciousness. What is what is this? What is that? What is art? Right? Like all this sort of stuff. But there's another thing as well, and I think, you know, like Paul, you paint, right? And and you paint, and and you you, you take photos, right? Uh, you take photos for for fun, and you paint for fun. I draw, I I create music for fun, right? So it's not like I can sit in front of I can sit in front of a computer and I can generate, and I have generated drum beats through applications, and then I try and make it sound like a real drum kit because I enjoy the process of just trying to make that thing. But give me a real drum kit. And a real musician's like like nine like ninety nine point nine percent of the time I will go I'm doing that I'm not going to sit in front of a computer, so so it's almost like you know we, we're not not everybody's creating art or create for commercial reasons we're doing it as a creative outlet because we want to and we love doing it so it's not going to ever replace that right um do you know what I mean it's like and, and they said the same thing about drum, drum when drum machines came out years ago a lot of drummers got worried it's like in the eighties they're like oh my god they're going to take over it's like no people love acoustic stuff we're acoustic human beings we love drums. We love congas. We're primal, and we relate to those primal instincts. And that's you can't take that away from from human beings. But but I, I'm guessing your point is that what we love about it is the process. The process, and yeah. a machine can never take that away. Obviously, it's, it's all sort of self contradictory. But maybe that you go through the process of creating a tune or something, and you enjoy that iteration, iteration. Then the machine goes, "Well, here's the song you should probably have composed." <laughs> Yeah, well, it's 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 music. It's 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 got to look at it's music, video. You know, you can describe a movie next, and it will literally make a whole movie. Like that's going to be very very close to happening. Um, I think it's already happening in a very small scale, but you will literally be able to describe a movie, and you better get ChatGPT to write the whole movie, the plot, everything, the characters, design, everything done a mid journey. So it's almost like what is left for us to do? Well, we've got the idea, we put the prompts in, and that's probably where it's going to go. It's like you know, you probably have YouTubers next creating massive big budget movies, and they'll be tackling Hollywood. Like Mr. Beast is already a major player in this field, right? So can you imagine him making a Hollywood blockbuster and everyone's going to see it or whatever, and they're not going to see the next Avatar? They're going to see his one. Like that, that, that it's going to disrupt everything. I, I, I think it's um, re- really interesting. There's a, a thing about um, there was a test or a competition for AI for voice, and it was if if or, or chat, sorry, if a chat could could. Um, confuse or, or trick a human into believing it was real uh, and it was solved you know some time ago by some kid i think in in the, in the uk so it's this whole thing of you know the ai it's a it's a it's a leveler thing about you know what goes on now the images that you produced you didn't just go you know gaudy teapot uh and then that's it you know you've you've manipulated it um were the first iterations could have someone else looked at and gone oh that's ai or that 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 someone might have designed that in the first iterations when you put the prompts in 
I would say that it, it, was, it was an object that existed. It was that good. Right, okay. So right from the start. Yeah, right from the start. Well, again, you have to have an understanding of, of a lot of different things in order to... And I've been playing around for quite a bit. So you can kind of, you know, understanding photography, lenses, helps. How to, like, how to describe a creative brief. And that's what I kind of do if I'm in, a, in, in my role as well. I'm trying to describe something to somebody. I have to kind of put that together in my head. What's in my head? How do I articulate that on paper? And then throw references, images in to kind of say that's what we need to do for the photo shoot or whatever. So it kind of... Having that knowledge and that background of of 3D, photography, art direction, all different rules of photography, that all, you're you're almost like a producer, right? It's almost like, you can kind of feel like a conductor as well, like if you're a conductor with a symphony, you know what I mean? It's like, you're making all this stuff happen, and you're in the middle, and and it's it's, it's fascinating and terrifying, as as I said, it's it's, it's, kind of... You've played with you both played with them too. I'm sure you're having the same kind of feelings with it. It's like, whoa, how the how's it even happening, right? Yeah, look, I, I do. And, and years ago, I did a philosophy course on the philosophy of aesthetics and taste. And it was really interesting because it was going. And the question was, do you need to have knowledge to know whether something has value or not? And so the question is, if you have a picture and a fake, and if you can't tell the difference, does the the copy, does the counterfeit, have the same value as the original? And of course, you say no. But if the only way that you can tell that is by, you know, getting a paint scraping and finding out that paint, you know, hadn't been made in, you know, 1562 because it wasn't invented till 1685, you know, do, do you need that amount of knowledge to determine whether something has value or not? And so I sort of think about it in terms of what's happening here. You know, do, do those images you, you create have the same value as if you had spent that week designing those, you know, Gaudi uh, vacuum cleaners? And, you know, in terms of a personal sense, but also in terms of a market sense, because, you know, we're all in the business of adding value to people and, you know, and it's not so much time based, it's, it's what we can add in value. So do you, do you think that it's as valuable? Um, um, it's in, that's an interesting question, because um, I suppose I would be to be more valuable to me if I had to spend a week on each image, right? Because I've I've done it in the past and I get attached to it, right? And you and you see again because it's about the journey getting there and you and you're learning new techniques in order to get to that point. You might have to go out and shoot more things. You might have to find different reference, and it's that whole journey of discovery that we like to do. It's like go, going around looking for baseball cards or whatever or football cards. It's like you know someone someone hands you the whole deck of them. There's no value on it, but if you go looking for them for weeks and weeks and then you find them all, then that's the value. So just is a time equals value. Maybe in that kind of context, but is it is time equals value when it comes to selling an idea to somebody else? No, because if you can sell the idea straight away, then it's quicker and to to get to that point, and someone buys the idea, then it doesn't matter about the time, right? Because it's someone with experience will beat someone that doesn't have an experience anyway. When it comes to managing their time in a value sense, and what is value anyway? Is it is it commercial value? Is it someone going to put it on their wall? You know, is IKEA going to pump out fifty of them and fifty million of them and sell them around their shops? Like you know, like. Everything's getting devalued anyway, right? So, but but because because I think when when stuff becomes ubiquitous, it is you devalued anyway because it's obviously value is based on scarcity. So you kind of go, you know, would it depends on who it is that is a value to, is it valuable to you or to me? Things that things that are created by humans are more value to, valuable to me, um, and that's just personally that's the way I look at it. I like to buy, I like music created by by humans. Um, if it's human making music with computers in a creative sense, I also love that, right? Because it's the, so. So you kind of go, you know, I love a lot, I love a lot of electronica as much as I love a lot of rock bands. So you kind of go, um, but if an AI 
was creating all the album based on one prompt and a whole album came out, I probably wouldn't be interested in it. But you kind of go, if you didn't know it was AI, which is what you said a minute ago, would you be interested mm-hmm. in it if you didn't know? And I think if I was to listen to a whole album and somebody told me that a human made it and I loved it, and then a week later they told me AI produced it, I would feel like so bad. I would feel, oh my God, that person just totally duped me. I feel conned. So I think if it's if it's up front, by the way, this is you know AI. This is not. <laughs> I think that's what. But 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 people don't even know the difference now. So it depends on the context. Right? There's photograph pho- photographs winning photography competitions now that are done by AI. Yeah? Like it's not. I, th- I think what I'm learning is what we are interested in is the story behind whatever it is might be. Mm-hmm. And and if you know real life people have, I don't know why it pops into my head, but uh, you know, Fleetwood Mac, the famous album, The Rumors. Then the story is about the rumors of the breakup. You know, there's, a, yep. there's a really important story behind every tune on that on that album. And then, you know, real live musicians. What was going on? What what's the how? What brought them together? Why did they create that? That's what we buy. And I find the same. I know you must find this as well. When people buy a work of art. They they have a connection to you, the artist. They they might have a connection to the image that's on there, personal connection. Like I've I've cut a lemon like that, or I've been on a kayak like that. So there's a personal. There's a story. There's a story. Yes. And I think the point about an AI image is there is no story. Is it? It's actually just computer. That's exactly what I, 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 to, I 100% agree with you. It's, we buy into narratives as human beings, and that's how advertising works, and that's how all products are sold, so, sold around a story. And we also have emotional connection to things when they're like a sentimental value. What does that mean? Well, it's sentimental to you because you remember on the wall when you were a kid, and now you want it on your wall. Like it's, I 100% agree with you. But do, do the masses agree with that, though? Like, I worry about that sometimes mm. because that was one of the main things I kind of got to a point during kind of thinking about all this kind of stuff. Do the majority of people care whether a robot made it or a human made it? And I, I don't know what the answer is to that. What, what I do care is they care about value as in price. If it's $10 and it's $5 and they want it on their wall, they're going to go with the $5 one. It's the same thing. Um, but, you know, we also buy expensive items to make ourselves feel better too, because that's how you flip it on said it works the other way too. So you kind of go, what is it, right? Like I, I get more value out of a story, but and that's in the art sense, and that's in the, yes. in the music sense, and that's in the the, the writing sense. You, know, you kind of some, it's someone's life that they put into that thing to make that object that you desire now. So, but but you know, are humans the problem if if most of them don't care? <laughs> About <laughs> the art and the music sense, because because if you look around you, most of the most of the stuff in the, in the music is rubbish. Well, that's that's my opinion though. But like the next generation, you know, they listen to they listen to um, songs on Spotify and they they shuffle albums. Where I go, no, I like to listen to the album start to finish because I want to get inside the person in my head and how what were they thinking when they went on that journey? Because it's a whole story yes. with an arc. And but yeah, yeah. but but I don't think that the, the young kids really care. They just care about songs and they mix it up. So it's a different. So we're talking to a different human now we're not talking about you or i or us we're talking about 10 20 years uh, you know later i think we're changing as humans and um, when it comes to attention when it comes to creation do you know what i mean it's it's a, it's a different world now the, the thing that interests me and just you know listening to this and thinking about it and there's you know un- unfortunately this is not going to be nearly long enough to even sort of touch into this um um subject but you know i i think about it it's, you know artificial intelligence it's more you know it's an aggregation and you know sometimes the the sources can be identified you know there's an example i think in your article about where you can see the signature 
on one of the mm. pieces because it's been stolen, you know, and, and the guy is upset yeah. at that. But I suppose the bit, and this is probably getting, you know, into the realms of Terminator or some of those dystopian movies, is that when Mid Journey is producing its own images um, without prompts <laughs> or a musician, you know, and so it's, it's basically, you know, it goes rogue. And so it becomes its own user. It creates its own pop things and then it promotes its own stuff and it's not real at all without anyone, you know, pressing the button. Driving it. Uh, because the difference is, you know, those Gaudi images wouldn't exist the way they are unless you went, unless you had that idea. And so really it's a tool, you know, and it's, and it's more like, uh, you know, maybe it's AAE, it's artificial extension. Um, because, you know, we, when we create, we use everything that we know in our brain and sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously, you know, uh, Austin Cleon still like an artist. Um, so, so I wonder if that's, you know, and that's, that makes, that makes me afraid because then if you don't know, you know, whether you're talking to someone who is not real, <laughs> uh, because they decided to go and create an image of whatever, but the machine decided to do that. Yeah, well, I suppose that's going to happen next. Self well, I think it's happening already in gaming. I think there's, and I'm not a gamer, but I do, I do read about it. And I think, I think the worlds are being generated by AI, right? So depending on how the user interacts with that game, it can just generate the worlds and the levels based on to make it more interesting because it's 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 in a dopamine um, style economy we're in, right? So it's, how do we keep the game working for as long as possible? Well, but, but it's still reacting, isn't it? Yeah, it re it reacts to you. You that's right, and then it, and then it, it generates the next things that happen based on how you interact with it. So it's a, yeah. it, it's 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 crazy. I, I find it, it it's fascinating and it's scary. Yet as I said, it's a terminator. Is it a terminator style world we're going into? Well, opt out, live in a cabin, get a guitar, a set of bongos, and let it fire. And go <laughs> go for it, guys. <laughs> so when we and, see, and there are lots of people doing that, aren't there? <laughs> so when we see the article published on Brella that says you know this is written by a bot. Uh, and it was commissioned by a bot, and you know, and it was uh, signed off by a bot. And in fact, no human has have, had anything to do with the idea, the publication, you know, of this thing. And so there is no, there is not a user that exists, which I think well, is very scary. I'm going to get my bot to read the articles for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you guys played? Have we played around with ChatGPT? Have you seen what it what it does now? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's and it's very depressing. It's it's terrible, right? It's terrible. This is happening, and then but it's also enabling in a lot of other ways. So you kind of go, you know, what where where does it where does it end, right? And this is only the start of it. What's going to be like next year? Like like these data sets again. That I think I read something as well that it's it's a hundred gigabyte hundred. I'm oh, sorry, it's a hundred thousand gigabytes of data compressed into a two gigabyte file that you would store on your computer. So you can run. You can run, I think that's stable diffusion actually. I think you can run stable diffusion off your computer in a two gigabyte file. So that shows you how even data is being compressed now and how, how, it, can, how it can leverage from a file size perspective, which I didn't even think that was possible. Um, you know what I mean? You think, oh, files are getting bigger. Well, now maybe they're getting smaller and I can just hold more things because yeah. the way it's coded. So it kind of flips everything on its head again. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know where it's going to go. Um, you know, there's pros and cons to everything. I think we're going to see obviously massive businesses. And, um, you know, there's already prompt businesses out there where you can buy prompts and, and stuff like that. Um, and, there's, and there's obviously user-generated content as well, as well as AI-generated content. And it's hard to know the difference between which one is real and which one isn't. But obviously, there's going to be loads of business models built just on AI with two guys. And it looks like they've got 50 guys there. 
because of pumping out the same amount of content to city people. So that's going to obviously be a new industry then, and there'll be more industries that will spawn out of that. And then hopefully people then realize how hard it is to create art, and then art goes, real art goes up in value because people, more people are exposed to art and realize how crap it is when, 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 it, when it's devalued in, in a, by, by so much of it, you know what I mean? So maybe maybe that will happen. It'd be like, no, I'm, we'll push people out. Like That's what happened when the dance music took off and got really, really big. There was a backlash at one particular point. It was a tipping point in the late 90s, and I thought bands are not going to come back. There's just dance music took over, and I was really down because I wasn't into that music at the time. And then I got into electronica. And then what happened then? Bands came back. And people wanted that thirst for community, for interaction with a live band and that kind of... So I think I think that will happen. I think we'll come back um, and there'll be more interest in it then. And maybe people will, will, maybe maybe art will be more valuable at that point because we'll realise it's too easy to, to make stuff um, with a digital uh, element. So... I, I don't know. And Who maybe, knows, right? Maybe it's going to be the process. I can I can imagine maybe in the future what for art to be valuable, you'll need to see the artist creating it. The process, yeah, of creating the process, and artists. people do that with videos and stuff like it. And I love that. Yeah. I love the creation. And, and you're right. And that's and that. Yeah, that makes total sense because people do because you know something can appear in after ten seconds. There is no value in that really. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, there's value in another sense if you want to get concepts approved and you want to iterate fast and, and, and you know how the model it is but from an artistic sense from a human sense I don't think there is any value in, in, in getting something it's no, it's no satisfaction in it too quick I, I think just like we're going to have to draw it to a close unfortunately we're running out of time <laughs> but we're going to let the artificial intelligence machine keep running and if people want to listen to this interview it'll go on forever um, but <laughs> Uh, what I just have a final point, uh, and it sort of links back to to Charlie Charlie Marker. You know, the, when I have made art and, and sold art, the most successful it, I've been is when I've had a connection with the buyer, or the buyer's had a connection with me, and it's about that personal connection. And certainly, you might see a piece and you love it. You know, if you know the story behind it, what you mentioned before, Chris, is important. But I think that ultimately, you know, what it may go back to, it's almost back to the craft thing. Oh, you know, mm. oh, it's handmade, and I know the person that made it. You know, and it actually, as you say, it makes it makes it more valuable because it becomes craftsman. But it comes back to that human connection. You know, I don't know um, uh, mid journey. You know, like uh, in, for, uh, in terms of a person. Um, so I think it's that it's that connection. You know, it's the connection that we've got here. The most interesting thing about this conversation is not the beautiful images that you've created using AI. It's it's the it's the conversation that we've had. And it's the connection that I've had with you, Marcus, over the years and then, you know, with your family, you know, that's what's important to me. So I think maybe that's what it sort of comes back to. Yeah, so. yeah, that's an interesting way of looking at it, isn't it? It's like, as Nick Cape said as well, he said, like, data has no feelings. You know, you know, <laughs> data, or was it data? Data doesn't suffer or something along the lines of that. Um, but I think, you know, it's going to be a while. I think we're in a, we're in a bit of a storm right now. It's like the Wild West. Let's see when it all kind of settles. So there's going to be lawsuits Left, right, and center. I'd imagine um, um, Microsoft will put ten billion into open AI, into ChatGPT or whatever open AI. So, so that's going to be integrated in all of their products next. So you'll have a little personal assistant that's just working in the background. You won't even know it's there, and it will give you the minutes of every meeting and who said what. And you know that's going to happen next. And then it's going to be integrated into Photoshop um, and all the Adobe Suite next as well. So you literally start probably with a blank page and you describe what you want, and then you can iterate through words. Um, but again, it's like. It's, it's, it's a new tool, but what it's been trained on so far has a lot of, lot of, lot of unethical processes there. 
Um, but they have met a lot of the guys have mentioned that there will be a next phase and people can opt in and opt out. So, you know, we'll get to a point where maybe it's a, it's a cleaner data set and it's a more ethical data set. And then people will feel better about maybe producing from, from that data set over a different one. And then you've got cultural problems as well, because different words mean different things in different countries. So you'll have different data sets yeah. all around the world um, that aren't particularly biased to any particular subject. So I think that's where it's probably going to go. But at the end of the day, I don't know. Who knows? I have no idea. <laughs> don't really know. <laughs> you, just, you just speculate, right? I think... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Set us up brilliantly for our for our series on AI. We need to investigate more. We need to keep a close eye on it, you know, and celebrate it where it needs celebrating and control it where it needs controlling. Yeah. So, Marcus, look, yeah. thanks for joining us uh, again. Uh, you're one of the few people that have been onto the Common Creative twice, uh, mm-hmm. uh, although you were in a guardianship role last time. Uh, so, um, you uh, we two more two more, and we've had your whole family done by then. <laughs> So, uh, so Marcus, thanks again for joining us. It's been an absolute fascinating conversation and one that's going to have my buzzing for my mind buzzing for days. Um, yeah, thanks. Thank, thank you very much, Marcus. Thanks so much. Chat soon. Well, Chris, that is uh, a fantastic conversation we just had with Marcus. Uh, I can't help but feel a little bit depressed about the sort of ominous things that AI can do. But I'm hoping that over time we'll get used to it. It'll be like when Google was invented or any other major technology came our way. eventually get to use it. We understand how to harness it and so on. Yes, look, it is an incredibly powerful tool. And given that you and I in Two Common Creators talk about, um, you know, uh, through the filters of storytelling, ideas and visual cognition, this whole idea of a machine generating these incredible images in mere seconds that would normally take a week or more um, incredibly powerful in trying to get ideas across but as you say incredibly scary about you know where does the human being uh, end up in this process if you've been listening to this we'd love to hear what you think or if you don't want to share your own opinions ask um, a, a bot to give you an opinion for you and send that to us. Uh, give us a rating, hopefully a five-star rating. We'd love it if you if you rate us highly. And most of all, tell your friends. Um, send them a link to this podcast. Subscribe and join our little community, Understanding Creativity. Yes, and thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you again next week. We'll see you next week. <laughs>